0: Hello and welcome to Series 6, Episode 5 of Out with Susie Ruffle. Hello. I hope that you're having um, a good morning or afternoon or evening. I don't know when you're listening to this, but whenever you, you are, I hope that you're okay. Let me give you a little visual. I am in my new house, which is very, very exciting. We finally moved to the seaside and I love it, but we've only been in four days We've obviously not got any internet yet. So I'm coming to you from underneath my duvet, recording this on my phone. So just if you're listening to this and going, oh God, the quality is not very good. The interview, I'm using a microphone and it's, you know, the whole thing. This, I'm sorry to say, is me. I look like I'm pretending to be a ghost. If my neighbours can see into my room, they will think that I am nuts. Anyway, here I am. Um, It's just going to be a brief intro to the show today because, well, because of the setup, because I don't have the internet, um, and because I'm having to do it in a brief moment when the house is quiet. Anyway, 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 I've got a couple of quick emails to share with you, and then we're going to get into a fantastic conversation with me and Jill Gutterwitz, who is an American writer who I love, and I think that you will love too. So let's. Oh, before I do that, oh God, she's all over the place this morning, isn't she? 2nd of December, I've got a really great guest for Out With Susie Ruffle Live at the Soho Theatre. It has sold so much quickly than I thought it was going to. We're in the main space, which feels very, very exciting. So if you want to come to that, I highly recommend you get a, a ticket ASAP. OK, a couple of emails and then my conversation with Jill. Hi Susie, big fan of your stand-up and the podcast. I've been listening since the beginning and the weekly dose of queer storytelling, love and joy is just what I need to start my week. I'm a Brit living in Spain in my 30s. I moved here last year to be with my girlfriend. It's amazing and was the best decision of my life. This is a message of thanks really and a nudge to get you to gig in Barcelona. I promise you it'll be fun and we will take you to the best night spots after the show. That does sound very good. Okay, I will do the quick version of my story. Realised I was gay at school, This is actually bullet-pointed, which made me laugh. Fancied a girl in the hockey team, what a bloody cliche. Came out at uni, my friends were brilliant. Mum and dad were confused and worried that I was creating a harder life for myself. Over the next 10 years, heartbreak, straight girls, some love, some lust. And then Anna, my Spanish love, walked into my life. As I was working in a bar in Islington and life was never the same. I always said she turned the lights on for me. Life is much better now. Mum and dad love her and they know that my life isn't harder, it's just different. Anyway, that's enough for me. We're heading out for some food and wine and I've promised to order everything to practice my Spanish. With love and thanks, Frankie. PS, more authors please. I always want book suggestions. Well, Frankie, thank you so much for your email. Your life in Barcelona sounds so chic. I love it. Um that's so brave and brilliant to move to another country for love. I mean, how romantic. It sounds like it sounds like a book. You should write that book. But the reason that I, I, I shared your email today is because I've got an author on and I loved Jill's book, uh, Girls Can Kiss Now. So listen to, the, listen to the interview and then order her book and it will give you such joy like it gave me. Right, here's another one. Hi Susie, just wanted to say I'm loving the podcast. I came across it because of the episode with Dame Kelly Holmes and have been working my way through ever since. It's so great hearing everyone's stories. Life is really good at the moment. Myself and my fiancé are expecting our first child in November, a baby boy, and we cannot wait. But the anxiety is high with my hormones at the moment. And your podcast has got me right in the feels when I needed it most. So thank you. And that's from Steph. Oh, my God. Congratulations on having a baby. How exciting. Just in time for Christmas. You can dress them as a pudding. How nice. Um, Well, listen, you know I've been through all that in the last couple of years. Uh, I'm sending you so much love and joy and, and all the best. I, I know that feeling of anxiety being high. You know that because I tell you guys everything. And I'm pleased this podcast has got you right in the feels. Steph, I'm sending you and your partner so much love. And yeah, wow, the, the journey you're about to go on is incredible. Wild. But yeah, all the best. Oh, I love it. I just love it. I love how you share your lives with me, guys. It's It's everything. Right. One more. One more. There's a very, very quick one here. Oh, here we go. Susie, that live episode was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Certainly brightened up the drive to my mum's house last night. Please do more live episodes in the future. Much love, Tom. Well, as I said, there's one on the 2nd of December at the Soho Theatre. But yes, I mentioned it on the podcast and loads of you got in touch with me saying, come to Manchester, come to Cardiff. So I'm going to put in, I'm going to try and do like one live episode every few months around the country. And let's see if it sells. Let's see if there's, there's lots of you that listen, but are there lots of you that listen in those places? Who knows? I'm going to try. I'm going to try and get dates here and there, maybe just in comedy clubs to do the live shows. Let's see if we can make it work. Right. Let's go on to today's conversation with Jill Gutterwitz. I really hope you enjoy it. Let's go to that chat now. Oh, listener! I've got an exciting one for you today because we've got an American link up. Imagine that. Jill Gutterwitz is an American writer, director, and author living in LA. I became aware of her several years ago because of her hilarious takes on Twitter. I then started reading her articles, sometimes in the New Yorker or Vanity Fair. So when I heard that she'd written a book, I mean, I say heard, I very much read it on the internet, I immediately bought a copy. Girls Can Kiss Now is a collection of essays exploring sexuality, identity, empowerment, self-worth, and so much more. And let me tell you, I loved it. I read it in three days, and as a severe dyslexic, that is the highest compliment. It's really vulnerable, honest, a triumph. I'm delighted to be joined by her today, all the way from LA. Hello, Jill.
1: Hi. Wow, that was the nicest intro ever.
0: Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me.
1: Oh my God, thank you for having me.
0: And for chatting to me um, about the book, which I feel like I was... I was really like moved by it. And like, I felt like it, I'm sure you've had this a lot before. I felt like you were talking directly to me, like you'd written it for me. Mm -hmm. And I I know that we've only just met, so I feel like that feels unlikely. (laughs) I think it's really brilliant. So congratulations on that. Thank
1: you so much.
0: So a a good place to sort of start, we often go quite chronologically with this Mm -hmm. uh, podcast. So um, you grew up in New Jersey Yes, I grew up in New Jersey. And so we've got listeners across the globe, which is very nice. Um, for someone that's never been, including myself, I've been to New York, but I've not been to New Jersey. Could
1: you give me an idea of what it's like? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why Why would anyone have gone to New Jersey if they're not <laughs> from there? It's, you know, I think like the area that I grew up in is actually really like foresty. You know, like mm-hmm. I like I lived in like a lot of like Mountains, it, the town I grew up in was called mountain lakes. and it's it, pretty true to form. It was very hilly, lots of ponds, glorified lakes, and a lot of like trees and winding roads and whatever. So I feel like it was actually like, really beautiful where I grew up and not quite the, uh, the Jersey Shore, uh, more like s- south central uh, shoreline Jersey that also gets uh, shitted on. But also, the, I, there are areas of the Jersey Shore that are also beautiful. So I'm, I'm a New Jersey apologist. <laughs> I,
0: uh, you don't need to be because I've never been and you've made it sound lovely, but I am aware of Jersey Shore, but I don't judge you for that. <laughs> but i be right in guessing that your childhood was sort of quite outdoorsy.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like I, I actually had a kind of ideal lesbian youth. Uh, I, was, <laughs> oh, I was always outside on rollerblades and a scooter and swimming mm-hmm. in the lake. And I was actually, I'm actually pretty good at water skiing. No one Are ever you? asked me if I'm good at water skiing, but I am. <laughs> I mean, weirdly, that was
0: my next question. So <laughs> crazy. Oh, I, know. I really jumped the
1: gun. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's fine. You're really good at water skiing. That's mm-hmm. really I am. impressive.
1: <laughs> I'm like you know what? I, I honestly haven't done it in years but I do feel really I feel like very like toxically masculine about it where I'm like I do feel like if I got out there I could get up real fast and impress everyone but I would probably like eat shit I don't know
0: well that's how I feel about skateboarding so I did I was, yeah I was used to skateboard uh, as a as a teen whilst um not hiding my sexuality that well and <laughs> um I don't know maybe the signs were there I guess we'll never know <laughs> I haven't got on a skateboard for maybe 5 years. Right. And I bought a skateboard the other day because I was like, yeah, I've just moved to a place called Brighton, which is like on the coast, it's very very queer. I think it might I actually be like- know Brighton. Do you? Okay. I got a tattoo there. It seems like the kind of thing you do in Brighton. That totally checks out. That makes yeah. sense. I've also got a tattoo in Brighton. I mean, it's just what you do there. But yeah. um, I, I've sort of got these ideas of me sort of on a longboard going down the beach,
1: mm-hmm.
0: on the sort of parade that runs next to it. And, and in my head, I think people will be like, wow, look at that cool young person. And I'm also <laughs> nearly 37. So, you know, I, I, yes. I believe that you can water ski as long as you believe that I can still skateboard. <laughs> so I sort of first became really aware of you because of Twitter, because you're really yeah. good at it. I sort uh, of hate thank Twitter.
1: I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but I, yes, I, thank you. It's <laughs> definitely a time
0: where it was a good thing.
1: Yeah, it I used think, to be cool. Now it's scary and bad, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really go on it. I haven't been on Twitter. I go on Twitter. I mean, this is a whole different story. I got, I got like really trolled after doing a documentary, and so I just came off of it. A, docu- Ugh, a documentary yeah. went out and it was, and I was very pro trans people because why wouldn't I be? And then I had the mad turfs come for me oh, God. and it got to a stage where it was like, this is just, well, basically my wife took my phone, deleted the Twitter app and changed my password yeah. and was like, I'm doing this for your mental health. And I've yes. not really been on it. And that was more than a year ago now. So I've not really been on it that much since, but it felt, it it feels like a very angry place. Yeah, it is. But there was, there was definitely a time where it felt really frivolous and fun and I guess when I found you, and I don't know if that's always how you've been online, but I felt sort of excited by how sort of unapologetically queer you were in like the the pop culture, which I don't know if you like that term, pop culture, place. Yeah. And that was like one of the great things in the book. And I said to you uh, when we first logged on, I felt like the, it was it was sort of written directly for me, although I think I'm a little bit older than you. Certainly like the <laughs> things that you dip into, like, you know, uh, Orange is the New Black and Kristen Stewart and the L word and all those things that feel, yeah. uh, I guess, because being a gay woman to me, uh, often feels like we're not really thought of in the same way by the mainstream media as maybe our gay male friends are. Yes. It feels quite exciting when you feel like someone's talking to you, like, like yeah, with the L totally. word, it felt like, Oh my God they've made a show for us. I never thought yeah. we were going to do this. Yeah. So you, you so your Twitter really felt like that for me. <laughs> Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So let's talk about the book. I mentioned uh, Orange is the New Black then. And you talk really uh, sort of openly about how that was sort of, would I be right in saying like a penny drop moment?
1: Yeah. yeah, totally. No, I, I, I wrote about this in the book for sure that like, you know, I think that Orange is a New Black in my own personal coming out journey felt really important. Like it was like, and, and also in, I feel like, you know, the world and the, you know, the US is like uh, acceptance of queer people. Like it was mm-hmm. all just like this perfect moment in time where it was like, we were either ready for it as a culture, and that's why it worked or it made us ready for it. It feels very like chicken or the egg because you know, other things going on at the time was right after it came out, um, gay marriage was upheld by the u.s Supreme Court um and it, it seemed like having queer women, you know, so front and center in that show, it felt like there was just all of these things coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of right place, right time, um, where acceptance um, all over the U.S. Uh, really just, you know, like blossomed. Uh, and it, yeah, and it's kind of hard to say whether that came from Orange is New Black or mm-hmm. if it was like already kind of there and Orange is New Black kind of like pushed it front and center.
0: How old would you have been then when that first came out? When it
1: came out, it, I think I was 21. Right. I think I was 21 or 22. And I was just starting to be like, what are these feelings? Should I be paying attention to them? But no, 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 stop them down. Um, But when I watched the show, I was really like just engrossed by Alex and Piper and was like, whoa, this is so cool. (laughs) But why?
0: Yeah, totally. Something that we've spoken about quite a few times on the show before, and certainly something that I experienced with other gay women has been uh, lots of us when we were in like high, what would be high school for you went through a phase of having sort of quite intense female friendships (laughs) that like retrospectively you can be like, oh, that was a crush. Yeah. Right. Oh, there was something going on there. But yeah, sometimes something like in the media brings that to the fore and you're like, oh, 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 there's a lot to
1: unpack here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I'm like, have you been watching the Tegan and Sarah's show High School? No, because I don't think there's a way to get it on British TV yet. Oh, well, you're going sure we'll to it. get it eventually. It's, yeah. It's so good, but you know, it's based on their memoir. So I feel like even if you haven't seen it because you live in in England, like there's, I don't know you if you know their lives at all, then you know some of it. But I was going to say, I'm so jealous of the show and their lives in high school, even though I'm sure it was so hard and so scary, but like to know that they or anyone had like these like hot like secret romances with like other girls in high school I was like whoa that's fucking awesome and also it was probably terrifying but also like I was the level of repression where I like was not even looking girls in the eye and I'm like I can't believe that other people have had those experiences that's so crazy to me like what would my life have been like how horrifying and bad and also uh you know maybe exciting and thrilling would my life have been when I was 16 you know Oh, 100%. Yeah, I've
0: got a cousin now who's, he's a gay guy, but he's been, he was out like the whole way through school, totally unapologetically himself. And I think got shit sometimes, but would be like, I couldn't give a fuck. Like, was so like comfortable in who he was. And I like sort of look at him adoringly. He's like 19 now. I'm like, how have you managed this? Like, you're so... You're so happy. Like you're so comfortable in your own skin and I feel like it took me to like my late 20s to be like, well, I guess this is the skin I'm going to have to get used to. It. Like <laughs> this is what I've got. I'm going to have to just deal with this. Yep, yeah. What would your what was your school like? I know that you grew up in sort of quite a democratic household.
1: Yeah, well, my family was very liberal always, but mm-hmm. the area that we lived in was like very Catholic, very conservative. And I think that it was also a really, really small town. Like my high school, my like graduating class was like, I think less than 150 people. Um, And the town itself was two square miles. And so I think that like when you grow up in a kind of an incubator like that, Mm. even though you know, my parents were always talking about Al Gore and whatnot. Um, Like it's like the the majority of my time spent and like the influencing that I was undergoing was at school, um, you know, listening to kids like say dyke and like just shit on queer people so fucking hard. Yeah. (laughs) And also like feeling that general sentiment from like, parents and teachers and whatever, it wasn't like a Catholic school or anything. It was just like a very conservative, um, area. And I also think that it just, it was like a moment in time where it was like, not just okay, but even like encouraged to bully gay people, (laughs) you know? Um, so it was kind of a a bad (laughs) situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there was certainly an element of that for me at school. I know that I remember a teacher saying that something was so gay. Yeah. Being like, I mean, surely yeah. you can't say that. <laughs> like Yeah, you're a teacher. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. But it's um it's great. Were you were your family religious at all? Did you have any sort no. of
1: we're, we're Jewish, but kind of like non-practicing. Like I wasn't, right. uh, I wasn't bat mitzvah or anything. Like I think I went to temple like a handful of times when I was mm. a kid, um, at kind of at the hand of my grandparents. And then my right. parents were like, we don't like this either.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Sure. I mean, when I imagine an American high school, I get maybe it would be different in such a small place, but was there like a real, like my frame of reference immediately is something like Mean Girls, where I'm like, Mm -hmm. was there the jocks and like the cool girls and the plastics? And (laughs) was there sort of that weird sort of hierarchical system?
1: Yeah, I think, yes. I mean, like, I feel like also another uh, quirk uh, of my hometown was it was very sports oriented. That was like a very true to form stereotype about American high schools, like in my school specifically, that like, all the jocks were, like, the, like, cool hot guys, Mm -hmm. Um, and even the, I don't know, there was, like, this weird line that everyone towed with the, like, girls sports where it was, like, the girls who were really good at sports were also really, like, the hot popular people, but to a degree where, like, I don't know, it was, like, you had to be, like, super high femme and remain, like, I don't know, look a certain way, Or you will be like really good at sports and a girl and be called a dyke. (laughs) You know, like it was like towing this line, um, which was really weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but I I understand that. I think there was an element of that in in my school as well, where like some of the girls that were really good at running or doing cross country running were all say (laughs) beautiful. So it was like they are allowed to compete in sports.
1: Yeah. If you do
0: it, we will call you a dyke. So yeah, totally. that's, <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it, when you find out that things can cross the Atlantic? You know, homophobia, yeah. it can be a similar wow. flavor wherever you are. So universal. It is. What a great, <laughs> what a great thing to witness together. <laughs> so when you had that sort of Orange is the new black moment, for want of a better word, then what was the journey to you becoming sort of someone that I mean, someone that writes a lot of essays about uh right. about the fact that girls can kiss now? But how how long did it take you to sort of be? comfortable with even knowing that about yourself. I mean before even necessarily telling anyone. Mm-hmm. Like what was that sort of internal journey like?
1: Yeah, I would say like from the moment I watched The Orange is the New Black pilot to me telling everyone I know um was probably like a year and a half. Like I think it probably took me a year of depression and anxiety and being like what's going on with me and then like coming to like accept it and like say it to myself um and then i think that like once i felt like i knew and was sure of it i feel like i tried to tell everyone really fast probably too fast um like you know like i should have like given myself some space but i think that i like had this feeling of like that i had been like lying to myself and lying to everyone i know my whole life and i don't want people to think that i'm like Lying anymore. And so I felt like I had this like lash towards like talking about it too much, like not giving myself any time to actually process or like, you know, feel out my new skin or, you know, identity or not that it's new, but you know what I mean? You know, and like I like told my friend that I was for sure like into. Um, I told my parents and my like best friend from childhood. I told my sister like all within like a month. And and then I was just like out. And then I think after that, there was like a couple months, um, maybe a, a few months where I was like still adjusting, I don't know, and like thinking about dating and whatever. And then I started to get angry about how long I had spent burying this. And I think that like literally my entire career in writing is a result of like that moment of anger that I felt When I started writing about all this stuff, it was because I was like writing from a place of like being mad where I was like, I'm not going to be embarrassed about this anymore. You know, and like, I don't, I want to write about the things that I care about through the lens that I am like living my life through. Like, I I don't want to not be out and proud um, to a point where I think that, like I said, like it was like a, a lash. It took me a really long time to actually like process and feel comfortable, even though I was out on the internet like screaming about it and like in this almost like fake confident way um where I was clearly doing it from a place of insecurity at first um like it took me a while I think to actually really feel okay um because I felt so like I have to tell everyone I'm a liar I'm (laughs) no I don't want people to think I'm embarrassed I'm not embarrassed even though I was at the time I don't know no I totally relate to that because I think that for me I, I was I was
0: 21 I think when I came out. 20 or 21 mm-hmm. and um I sort of wanted to like outrun it almost so that let, yes of, well let me get there first because I don't want anyone yeah. to hear it from anyone else because this is yeah mine, this is who I am now and uh, yeah. who I've always been and everyone has to be at yeah. that obviously you then get to a stage where you realize that you have to where you're in my mind I was like well once I've come out then I've done it yeah and of course as you and I both know it never stops. You have to keep coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how many times you bloody do it. You've got to keep doing it. Yeah. That's really interesting to me because I imagine I, would be, I was sort of across your Twitter then when, to me, you seemed like, it's like, my God, this girl, she's so, like, she's <laughs> quite a lot younger than me and she seems so, like, cool and, like, got <laughs> her you. shit together. Um, no, it's, it's no. very <laughs> reassuring to know that you were going ah! um, yeah. inside, which is a noise that I'm constantly making. <laughs> So talk to me about that, because you've had like the the things that you cover, like really interestingly in the book, like, for example, the FBI turning up at your house um, because of (laughs) a tweet. Yes. Did you just get on Twitter and sort of go, oh, I'm just going to give everything. Was it like just constant, like, how can I make this funny? Or how can I make like a certain jibe about this or make it or queer it
1: somehow? Yeah, no, I think that like. I think I started tweeting the way I was tweeting and continued to do it because people were like responding to it positively. Mm -hmm. And in my real life, I had like pretty recently made like some like queer female friends, but I didn't really feel like I fit in necessarily or like that. I had a real like community yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that when I was like, started like tweeting and writing about these things that people were responding positively that like, Interacting online with people with other people like felt really good because so I was like, oh, I don't like have this, and like there's other people that also feel like they want to talk about these things, and I was like, just really like truly finding community, mm. and yeah, I think I'm mean, you know it kind of spiraled from there. I, I think I also got like attached to that in a way where like the validation felt really good, where I was like, when people online are telling you like, this is so cool. I I feel this way too. It's like a drug when you're not getting that in your real life, you know? And so like, you know, yeah. So like, you know, like I said, like, even though I had really good friends that were both queer and, uh, and not, um, I still was so insecure and like, didn't know how to talk about like sex and feel comfortable or dating and feel comfortable and all these things. And I wanted to like talk about all the feelings I was having while watching like queer storylines in film and TV that were like making me feel either like really good or really bad. And, you know, it was really just like an, an outlet uh, for sure.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the moments that you made that wouldn't be, it might have been you mentioning was it Nicole Kidman when she got her divorce or something like that? But there was like certain <laughs> things that aren't. Was it there was there, there's things in the book that aren't sort of necessarily sort of queer, right?
1: But like, is it like the, the photo the, of her after her divorce? Yeah, and she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. like <laughs> things
0: like that that are that like just subverting it. I think is so. It's just so funny, and it's and it's a, sort of a nice way to sort of center a, a, a queer lens where there isn't one in a way that straight stories are consistently. You know, put through the lens in all of our experiences. Yeah, totally. No, I totally relate to that because I think that I I did a version of that, like what you're saying on Twitter about, like, oh, I didn't. I, I certainly did that sort of on stage where I was like, oh, I'm this kind of cool person, and then or yeah. like I'm I'm very out, and then in my own life, I'd be like, oh god, I've got a date with a girl, and I'm oh god, I'm so unconfident off yeah. stage. <laughs> like yeah. after my wife and I had sort of been together. Before we were married, but yeah. we've been together for maybe like six months. She was like, "You sell such a different person on stage." Yeah, <laughs> I talk a lot more now about being very anxious. But at the time when we met, I was sort of confident to the point of being quite cocky on stage, which isn't—I don't think it's my best stand-up. But you sort of <laughs> put on that hat, don't you, where you go, "Well, I'm going mm-hmm. to have to show off in this way because then I'll trick myself into thinking that I'm this confident."
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, how did the book come about? It it really did, like, uh, spawn from my Twitter presence. I think, like, I I had a another author friend DM me and say that their um, lit agent was interested in talking to me, Mm -hmm. and so we exchanged emails. And by this point, you got like your
0: articles and stuff. Like, when you first became, was that all sort of via Twitter as well? Was it like, oh,
1: she's a snappy, funny writer? Yeah, definitely. Twitter was really, like, helpful for me getting uh, most of, if not all, of the, like, you know, writing gigs that I Mm -hmm. got leading up to the book. Like, I wrote a lot for, um, like, Glamour and Mm -hmm. Elle and, like, all these kind of, like, women's magazines, um, as well as, like, uh, Vulture and Mm -hmm. more, like, entertainment-forward stuff. Yeah, I think that it was, like, really helpful because, uh, as obnoxious as as this is, but when they can see that I don't know that I know how to connect with an audience via 280 characters or whatever it is that I can totally. do it in a bigger way, which doesn't mm-hmm. always translate. And I do think that is a terrible way to uh, judge a writer. So I'm not saying <laughs> this is a good thing. No, but I think, I mean, in a very sort of, I don't
0: know, business savvy way, you, you can't have, right. oh, well, this person is connecting with this many people on the internet by just this many characters. So, you know, you bring an audience with you.
1: Totally. And like, it's like, that was the thing that I think like got me the job, but then you also have to like, you know, there was definitely a period of time where I had to like, I was like, okay, I'm like writing, but I, I don't know if I'm like a good writer. And I read a lot of other people's writing and I'm like, I don't know what any of these words mean. Even I'm not as educated as all these people that went to Yale. And I had to like, I was like, I need to like put myself through writing school and like get better. I was writing, um you know, like all these kinds of articles for a few years. And, uh, then I was approached by this lit agent and, uh, we started talking and she was like, are you interested in writing book? And I was like, I have never thought about it because I did not think that that was like, you know, on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we kind of like formed the idea for the book together. Um, just like talking through stuff and talking about like, you know, how I would like to do, the kinds of essays that I, or articles that I was writing online. um, But, you know, maybe even like make them a little bit more personal and grounded. Mm. And, and yeah, and that, that is uh, the book now. So
0: now you're moving into directing. Now, I don't think there's a way for me to watch your short on online at the moment, but can you tell me a bit about that and how you're sort of, so are you moving into writing, directing? Is that where you
1: would like to see things going? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, you know, ironically, like the thing that I have always wanted to be doing is writing film and television. Mm -hmm. And what I ended up doing and making money doing was writing about film and television. So Mm -hmm. it's always been like the thing that I have been wanting to head towards. Um, and yeah, I, I shot my first short film, um, in February, um, of this year. Uh, it's called The Ladies. And yeah, it's it's actually not available online yet. She's just doing the the festival circuit right now. It's called The Ladies. It's about a woman in her late 20s who sleeps with her grandma's best friend. Uh, the best friend is played by Lisa Ann Walter um from the parent trap or Abbott Elementary, depending on where you know her from. But uh okay, the parent she traps. is yeah, yeah. She's chessy in the parent trap. She's mm-hmm. um a queen, she's the best. That was like probably the most like creatively fulfilling experience of my life because it's something that I've been wanting to do for so long. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever um, got to direct. Um, But, but I also feel like it was, you know, I, I, I wrote on a TV show that wasn't like really fully scripted. um, And, you know, so it's, and I wrote a book and like, I've had all these like really um, I've been like really lucky to have so many writing experiences. And still, I feel like this was the first time that I got to write something and see it Mm be made um which was just like so wild uh so it was like a yeah it was like a big big moment for me
0: and how do you find it in the media world the tv world in the states because I don't have any uh, experience there so I'm not sure at all what it's like but do you feel like you get sort of pigeonholed as like the lesbian writer do you like do you worry about (laughs) you do right yeah
1: yeah in some ways i'm like happy to have that angle if that's mm-hmm. what they want to call it because you know it's like not an angle for me because it's just like things that i would naturally be writing about about mm-hmm. my own life and the lens that i have and whatever but like it's like in some ways it's like if somebody's looking for a lesbian writer for a lesbian character on a tv show i'm happy to do that that sounds awesome mm-hmm. um but i don't think that i've been considered at all for things that aren't that um so yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like, in some ways, I guess I'm like, yeah, I would be happy to work. I would be happy to be pigeonholed, period. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, then it is, I guess, a little bit insulting to not be considered for other things <laughs> that aren't oh. just a lesbian character on a lesbian show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's sometimes the thing where if you do something that is sort of like loudly out and loudly you, people then go, well, you couldn't possibly understand this life. And you go, well, yeah, right. we've all... We all know that guy. I can write that guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. That and guy it's,
1: is. It's like straight men have been writing lesbians for decades. So. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Badly, yeah. And, and but... they still
0: are. They still
1: are. Yeah. And we're still doing this. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so what's next for you? Well, I'm trying to get the, my short film, The Ladies, made into a feature film, um, which would be the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. But... I, yeah, I, I want to move more into the film and TV writing and directing space. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's something like what I want to be doing. I would love to write another book, um, but I... I'm literally just like I have no thoughts. My brain is so empty right now. <laughs> so people keep asking me like are you when and you know the answer is like I I do want to write one. I would love to write a novel. Um as soon as I have a single thought in my mind, I will write it down. <laughs> brain empty.
0: Yeah, cuz that, but that's what you have to do right? Especially when you do something that is like such a labor of love. You give it everything and then you're like, "Oh, I have to start from scratch." <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the beginning again. And being someone that is so sort of visibly out, I don't know, like I mentioned to you as we just got on the call that I listened to quite a lot of like American political podcasts. I've had other um American folk on the show previously. When we were talking about Orange is the New Black coming out and how it felt like quite an exciting time being such a loudly queer show and also sort of the um, prop eight marriage equality happening. Does it feel as hopeful now for queer people? Like I get that Biden's in, but it feels so i don't know i'm i'm very much appreciative that i'm looking at it from from right the other side of the atlantic but but how does it feel for you at the moment
1: yeah no i for me personally like i'm very uh like lucky and privileged to live in like la in an area that is um so so gay where mm. like i would almost never feel self-conscious like holding hands with my girlfriend and walking down the street mm-hmm. um which is crazy because truly one block away from where I live, I heard like this crazy homophobic rant, these two people walking in front of me. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, I do feel like the general sentiment in the country right now is like, I do feel fear. I feel fear for, um, for trans people, mm-hmm. you know, like I feel like the, the stuff that's happening with um, Rhonda DeSantis, the governor in Florida and a lot of like, you know, all this, all the ways that all these horrifying things are interconnected with like queer people and abortion. And, Mm. uh, you know, like there's all these kind of intersections of things that are happening in the country. They're really, really scary right now. And it feels like American politics always feels so it's like, tissue paper, like anything can poke a hole in it and the whole flood will come in. You know what I mean? Where like mm. like our midterm election is happening tomorrow mm-hmm. and it, we're on such thin ice because if we lo- like lose even one seat in the Senate, like it just feels like once again, it is over. Um, so it's like, even though Biden uh, is in and it feels a little bit better than when Trump was president, it's still like there's kind of this like low burbling feeling of dread of like, well, when is it going to happen again? And I do think it is clearly going to happen again. And it feels like it's going to be worse, um, not to, not to bring, be the arbiter of doom right now, but um, I, I, it does feel scary. Uh, and in a way that's, um, like I said, like almost disconnected for me because I do live in like an area that's so pro-gay um, mm. and pro-queer people, but you know, go online truly for five minutes and you'll see that uh, everywhere else in the country is really scary. Yeah, I get.
0: Yeah, that that's sort of how it feels, uh, how it looks from here. But it's, I mean, it feels like something that's happening, ac- like across the world with, yeah, sort of like LGBTQIA plus rights. Sort of, we felt like we were making great leaps, and now, whilst you know, it's 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 okay here, and you know, I've moved to Brighton because I want that sort of queer mecca, yeah. and I want to yeah. raise my little girl while she knows other kids, like you know, a little boy in her class has two dads great you know Mm -hmm. let's do a play date yeah (laughs) you know it's I I was I was heckled on stage like two weeks ago with something homophobic and it was like wow my god okay like this is my own show
1: okay
0: that's a real weird flex to come to heckle okay um that's so crazy I'm so sorry it's insane well yeah but I got his money so in some way i win um but it's, yeah it's yeah, crazy yeah.
1: right it is and it's just it's scary how it feels like things can change so quickly you know like even with an example of like kanye west like and all this mm. like anti-semitic stuff that's been yeah. happening and it's like just immediately there's like such a huge uptick in like you know like anti-Jewish like Mm -hmm. crimes and hatred and so it just feels really scary and you know it's like all you know all it will take is you know someone like Ron DeSantis having even more of a platform and Mm -hmm. um you know like real life scary violent attacks on queer people will become more the norm it just it happens really fast. Yeah absolutely
0: and that's why it's so important that we get the opportunity to tell our stories and write our stories and you know, have that yeah. moment like Orange is the New yeah. Black where, you know, Piper and Alex were in people's living rooms every day and they were going, oh, maybe if I was a convict, I'd be a lesbian. You know, it just
1: makes yes. people. <laughs> Which is the first step to being, maybe if I even wasn't a convict, I would be a lesbian.
0: <laughs> exactly. That is, um, you know, it's it's an unusual coming out, but it's one that we're happy to cover on the show. <laughs> I've got one more question and then I'll, I'll leave mm-hmm. you to your day, Jill. Um, I, I ask absolutely everyone uh, this on the show and it's sort of, you know, a message to a a, a younger version of yourself. Sometimes people say, oh, I'd hate to give myself a message because then I would change something somehow. So maybe I'm (laughs) thinking of the version of you. Maybe when, you know, just after you'd watched Orange is the New Black and you had that year where you were working it out, um, maybe if there's someone listening that's maybe going through some of the, the similar feelings that you were having then and trying to like find the light in the rainbow light in the distance, if you could give them a bit of advice, what would you say?
1: That's a really good question. I, I, I would advocate for, if you know that you are safe to have like real honest conversations with people in your life, um, to do it because, you know, I think that right after I came out, I think I dealt with so much that even though I felt like I was saying the thing, I was really not talking about my like real internal life and emotions that I was experiencing like with anyone. You know, I wrote about in my book that like, I, why didn't I tell my friend who I was in love with that I felt that way? Like she was so, there was no homophobic reaction that could have happened. And it was scary, but it's like, I think that I were like, I have a lot of regrets about not being honest with people or with myself about how I was feeling. And I think that Um, A lot of queer people go through this and um, can't have those conversations because they might end in really scary, like even violent um, attacks. So, but I I think that like my advice to my younger self and to other people who might be struggling with this is like, if you know that it is a safe space, uh, I think it would behoove you to actually like have the hard conversations um, rather than like pushing it down. Um, I think I would have gotten to the place that I'm at now a lot faster if I had been having the hard conversations um, with people in my life who care about me and who want to help, you know. 100%,
0: a perfect way to end our conversation. Uh, Girls Can Kiss Now, you can get it, British listeners, uh, if you haven't heard of it yet. I recommend it so much. I bloody loved it.
1: Uh, Thanks for speaking to me, Jill. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun.
0: That was Jill Gutterwitz. I loved her book, as you can tell. I think you can tell right at the beginning of the conversation. I'm sort of fangirling. I was so taken with her book and then chatting to her. You know, I felt I felt a bit overwhelmed. I don't know if you could tell that. Um, I certainly could. But I loved that chat. I hope you do too. Check out all the stuff that Jill writes online. Keep across what she's doing. Follow her on the socials. And, yeah, read her book. Right, I'll be back next week with another brilliant conversation and hopefully the intro and the outro of the show not recorded under a ai I am so hot, uh, but get in touch with me, please. The email is hello at suzyruffle.com and I will speak to you soon. Okay, bye, bye,
1: bye.